my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. Heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing. We fall crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, we ride and visitors to our 8.30 a.m. service here at Preston Crest Church of Christ. I'm Charlie Johnston, one of the elders, and we're happy to have you join us, both here physically and virtually through our streaming. If you are a first-time visitor, please fill out the attendance card in the back of the pews and take it to our information desk in the foyer. We want to welcome you with a special gift and get to know you better after service. Please take the time now, if you haven't done so already, to text CHECK-IN to church teams at the number on the screen, 469-476-5331. When you check in, you will immediately receive our digital bulletin, 
and we will know that you're on campus in case of any emergency. Also, just text the word me to that number anytime to request prayers, search our directory, or be automatically logged in as a member of our website. Any prayer or contact request can also be made by filling out one of the cards in the back of the pews and dropping it in the contribution box in the foyer. We had a great event last week. Uh, as you may be able to see from some pictures, uh, all the members and guests at our third annual golf tournament had a great time of fun and fellowship together. Please plan to be a part of this outing next year. We also had some pretty good weather. Also, today is our final World Care in 2022 and is a very special effort for our longtime missionaries, Andre Cabea, one of the three teachers at the Hilton Terry Bible School and his family. They lost their home and possessions in a house fire in August, and your gifts today will provide funds to rebuild their home and replace necessities. We want to thank you in advance for your generosity as we bless this special missionary and his family. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all our blessings, our homes, our health, our jobs, our opportunities, our friends, and our families, especially here at Preston Crest. Father, we have several members of our family that we want to bring before you this morning. We especially ask that you would be with Nora Addison, a two-year-old with HUS syndrome who's recovering from surgery, and especially Judy and Jim Penninger in the death of Judy's sister, Patty Huffman. Father, please surround these families with your comfort and love and help us to be your hands and feet as we support them during this difficult time. We also ask that you would be with all the people still being affected by Hurricane Ian and help us have your wisdom and be generous in helping them recover from this disaster. And we continue to also pray that you bring peace to Ukraine and give protection, comfort, and healing to all those people impacted by that conflict. God, we thank you for the talents you've given each of us here at Preston Crest to use in your service. And I pray that we will all find that special area of service where we can help your kingdom grow and be more effective, bringing those around us both near and far into your family. We also ask that you be with Gordon this morning as he helps us explore our freedom in Christ. In Jesus Christ's blessed name we pray. Amen. For our call to worship this morning, please read with me from Psalms 122 and verse 1. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. 
Well, let's do exactly that. Let's rejoice as we are in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's stand, church. I will enter his gates with this in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Church, we're going to sing a new song this morning as we enter into our time of communion. And then Celeste Mimo is going to come and lead us this morning around the bread and around the cup. Let's, uh, as we sing this new song, if, uh, if you've never heard this or are not familiar with this, just join the melody with me. And uh, as the song progresses, uh, you can probably break off into your parts, but I love this song. It tells the story and it celebrates the resurrection of Jesus, and I love this. How fitting to sing it now. Let's, uh, let's sing it. 
Jesus Christ. 
to start by being grateful, grateful in this moment, and grateful that we're able to reflect upon the, the Last Supper. I often wonder what the apostles were thinking that moment when Jesus was about to share the last meal with them, and how now it's an anchor to our faith. He was sharing this meal with broken men men who would betray him, deny him, and run away from him. But men he loved so dearly because he knew, his, he knew their limitations. We are all in the right place today because like the apostles, we are broken. The Last Supper represents a new covenant, the ultimate sacrifice to pay for our sins not the animal sacrifice of generations past, but human sacrifice that only God made man could undertake for our salvations. When I hear or read the words, do this in rem rem remembrance of me, I am convicted that his grace is sufficient. I'm gonna read from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I, I have received from the Lord that which, I have, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke the bread and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, as we partake on, partake on this meal, as we eat your body, this bread, may we remember the sacrifice that you continue to put before us. May we accept you into our lives, Heavenly Father, for only through you our salvation is guaranteed. In the same way he took the cup and also 
in the, in the same way, he took the, he took the cup and, and then said, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. see you guys here. It's good to be together on a beautiful fall morning and worship the Lord together. Thank you, Celeste. What a good word, grateful. I think that's a word that should always identify our time uh, around the Lord's table together. We are grateful for what Jesus accomplished for us. Uh, we're just glad you're here today. If you're visiting with us, uh, don't feel like you, you have to give or anything like that. But if you're a member uh, or if you're a visitor and you want to give, We've got church teams. You can give through that. You can give through the website. You can give through uh, the box out in the foyer as well. Today is World Care as well. And I wanted to tell you, and you're going to hear more about this in a moment, so I don't need to say much, but Andre Kabaya, who lives in the Democratic Republic of Cayo, Cap uh, Congo, uh, Kinshasa, his, his home burnt down. And he is someone we partner with. He uh, is a professor of Bible there at the Hilton Terry School. Uh, so we want to help him through World Care this time. Uh, rebuild that house, get his life back up, and continue pouring into the growth of the kingdom in Africa. So let's pray together. Lord, we do pray your blessings on Andre and his family. Uh, we look forward to hearing more from him and getting to know him through the video this morning. We pray your blessing on the growth of the kingdom in that huge continent, God. We just pray that your gospel will continue to get a foothold and grow there and many lives will be saved through Jesus. Bless this church and the many good works of this church. Uh, bless our world care effort with Andre and the rebuilding of his home today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, brethren. 
I'm your brother, Andre Kabeyamanzengele, administrator of the Hilton Terry Preaching School since the year 2004. This school operates thanks to the sponsorship of Preston Christ, Church of Christ, with whom we have a long association. My family and I were victims of a devastating fire which destroyed our house and which turned everything we had into smoke, such as furniture, gloves, library, academic and administrative documents, kitchen utensils, and other appliances. Please, that is why we came to beg you according to your means to help us so that we can rebuild our house and to replace everything we lost. The fire took place on Tuesday, August 30, 2022, and since then we have we have been spending the nights under the stars and under the shade which saved us as our place of worship as you have seen through the photos. To rebuild our house we need fifteen thousand and five hundred dollars and to replace the basic necessities we have lost, we need $5,000. This is a cry of distress we send to you, asking you to help us for this purpose. Thank you very much for your outpouring of compassion towards us. May God bless you for all you have always done for us. My family and I as a whole are very grateful to all of you. Thank you and bye-bye. I love that he told us exactly what he needs. And church, we can, we can do that. We can do that. We have a separate box for World Care out there, and also World Care is also an option for online giving in the drop-down window. You can just select World Care. Please, please help us help this man. Um, okay, I've got another thing I need to share with you. It is that time. It is Thanksgiving time. Please, uh, on your way out those east doors, grab the uh, list of groceries. And then we also have nice and le neatly folded these monster bags. Some of you may recognize this. Uh, from our friends up in Frisco, but we had our name put on here. And so everything on that list, everything will go in this bag. And then we're going to put a turkey in on top of it. Okay. So please take one bag and one uh, list of groceries per family. Take that and bring that back. You can start bringing that, bringing those back next Sunday. And we'll just set them out here in the foyer uh, on this north end. All the bags are due back on Sunday, November 13th. So we got, uh, we got two more weeks after today. 
So pick your bag up. Again, just one bag per family. That way we save some for second service to help us as well. And if I have any left over, you can come and, and, and grab a, an extra one if you want to do that. All right. Thank you so much for being so generous, church. And uh, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. And we're going to sing one more, and then Gordon's going to come back up to share with us. Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing, let mercy fall me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of the Savior, the hope of nations. Say Amen. Love that new song. Don't you guys love that new song we sang today? Wow. Love it, and they picked it up, and it fits perfectly with what we're going to be studying over the next few weeks. So good job, John Scott, on that. So Jesus once declared famously, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Shall set you free. And that's what Jesus did through his teaching that's what Jesus did through his ministry. He set people free from chains of addiction, slavery to sin, physical illness, hopelessness. Jesus set people free. And over the years, one of the joys of my life has been watching this happen today. Uh, the work continues, and I've seen so many people, and it's so amazing seeing someone get a new life in Christ and how their life just pivots on this new relationship they have with the Lord and all of the freedom and, and uh, opportunities that opens up. You know, Paul one time said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so we're going to talk about over the next few weeks in Freedom in Christ, we're going to talk about that freedom. But today we'll talk about uh, freedom from a reliance upon law, law-based righteousness. We're going to talk about uh, freedom from unforgiveness, how the forgiveness we've received in Christ allows us to be resourced to forgive others in a supernatural way, in a kingdom way. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how he still to this day breaks bondage of, of bad habits, addictions, of uh, of, of this sin connection that we get ourselves into that Jesus can break us free from that. We're going to talk about 
the freedom we have for those of us who are approval addicts, how Jesus sets us free from that need to be approved and applauded and and fear of being rejected by others. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. And finally, we're going to talk about freedom that we have in terms of our unity. Jesus set us free from so many of the things that divide people. And so we're going to finish with that here in in a few weeks. Uh, In the text today, we'll take a little journey with the Apostle Paul through a letter that he wrote to the Galatians to its modern-day Turkey. Uh, Back then, it was the Roman province of Galatia. Uh, A number of Christian churches there that had grown uh, rapidly, uh, leading church like Antioch, other churches there. And Jesus uh, has some strong words through Paul to these churches. And I think you'll be able to hear this morning, as we read Paul's words, I think you'll be able to hear his tone. It is strong. Uh, I put in my notes, borderline angry. I think we can cross out borderline. This is kind of an angry letter. They're brothers and sisters in Christ, yes, but Paul is angry at some things happening in Galatia because a poisonous belief was taking hold that false teachers were promoting among these churches there in Galatia. It simply goes like this, this heresy in Galatia. The gospel is great, but it's not enough. The gospel is great, but you know, we need a little more in terms of getting saved. So we could brand this as the gospel plus. Uh, The gospel says that we are saved by grace through faith. The gospel says that we contribute nothing to our salvation, period, full stop. Jesus was enough. Jesus is enough to accomplish our salvation, his blood, his righteousness. That's what makes sinners like us right, justified before God. The gospel plus throws some extras in there. Uh, The gospel plus, you know, additional accoutrement in Galatia, it was different elements of the law of Moses. The gospel plus circumcision, the gospel plus uh, obedience to Sabbath regulations, the gospel plus this and that that and the other, depending on who the specific teacher was. And those add-ons, it was being conveyed to people, were essential to getting to heaven. Essential to being in a right relationship with God. By the way, the gospel did and does need mailmen, not editors, right? The gospel is enough. It doesn't need us adding on to it. Over the centuries, I don't need to tell you, but I'll go ahead and tell you, other groups have added their own extras onto the gospel, uh, their own writers on there, because the gospel is great, ah, but not quite enough. So this is the starting point today for our Freedom in Christ series. Why? Because this is the foundation on which we stand. Everything God is going to build out of our lives and our community together, it starts with the gospel and the sufficiency of Christ. As Paul would write to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3.11, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Like you don't need to add anything into that. Let's read that together if you would. For no one can add a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There is nothing I can add to my salvation. There is nothing you can add to your salvation. Uh, It's all Jesus. What about faith? Faith is not an add-on. Faith is simply trusting that. It is trusting in the sufficiency of Jesus. And so Paul talked about this a lot because Paul himself was a recovering legalist. Paul was recovering from a life where he absolutely believed he needed to do this, that, and the other thing in order to get himself saved. And so he wrote like to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He said, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And what? This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not the result of works so that no one can boast. We don't get to pat ourselves on the back. Wow, look at, I got myself saved. No, you didn't. Jesus got you saved. The gospel plus is no gospel at all, right? Um, It is not a gospel at all. So here we go. Listen for the tone I talked about earlier. See if, was I exaggerating or not when I said Paul was a little bit angry? Okay, chapter one. So we're just getting started in this letter and Paul writes, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, now I say again, If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Mm. So there were these folks traveling around Galatia, moving between the churches there, preaching the gospel plus. Gospel plus elements of the law of Moses. Gospel plus elements of Jewish tradition. Paul, through this six-chapter letter, is going to obliterate any notion that we must impose additional duties on the people beyond the gospel in terms of their salvation. He says people who do that are accursed. And not just people. If an angel from where comes and preaches a different gospel. If an angel from heaven appears before you and preaches a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, let that angel be accursed. I wouldn't normally advise people to pick a fight with an angel from heaven. But if an angel appears to you and you're quaking in your boots, there's an angel and he begins to preach a gospel plus message to you, feel free to square off. Feel free to square off. That is an accursed being. Whether it is a person or a heavenly being, that is accursed. Now, um, I think it helps before we just 
mail the Galatians? What were they thinking, the Galatians, to try to understand where they were coming from, why this would be appealing to them? They had spent many of them, there were Gentiles in the church, but the Jewish people in that church had spent their entire lives learning the law of Moses, learning the Old Testament scriptures. It was the pinnacle of their relationship with God, this law of Moses. They held it in in such high esteem. In fact, I would tell you, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and other Jewish groups of the time debated and disagreed about lots of things. The one thing they all agreed on was the Torah, the law, the books of the law. That's God's word. We need to obey that. Um, So it was what separated them. The law, it was what separated them from all of the other nations. The law, it defined their faith, their Jewishness, and it had for centuries. And it was a good thing. God gave it to his people. This all reminds me of the story of Sam. Young father who won a toy at the state fair. And when he got home, he only had one toy. He had five kids. He called his kids together and he said, who deserves to receive this toy? And the five kids were were quiet. He said, okay, well, let's try this. Which one of you never talks back to mom? Again, they didn't have anything to say. He said, okay, which one of you does what mom says all of the time? This time, those quiet little children's voices raised in unison, and they, say, oh, they said, okay, dad, you can have the toy. <laughs> you can have the toy. You know, a wise person once said, there are three ways to get something done. Do it yourself. Hire someone to do it. Forbid your kids from doing it. Three ways to get something done. And this says something about the law. And if you're a parent, you know this. You understand this. Your children are law breakers. You give them rules and they will find ways to break those rules or get around those rules. There is something about the law that actually incentivizes law breaking Kind of creates law breakers. Right now, um, I have a new rule for you. For the next five seconds, it's pretty simple. For the next five seconds, don't look at the stained glass window behind me. Okay, pretty much all of you did. So you're all lawbreakers. Um, you know how this works, right? I mean, the law of Moses, it was, it was amazing. It, it, it did a fantastic job of revealing how sinful people are. It did a great job of holding up the mirror and saying, you see all of these flaws in yourself? Um, The law can, in some circumstances, guide and steer people's behaviors. It does a lousy job at steering our hearts, okay? It doesn't do well at modifying our motivations. And Jesus, we've talked about this for weeks now, is all about our hearts. So God our holy and perfect God, he had thousands of years of empirical data 
when Jesus arrives on scene. He has thousands of years of this information about all of these people, every person who ever lived, and how they were lawbreakers, how they were one after the other incapable of fulfilling the perfect law. And in fact, Paul is going to write that one of the purposes of the law is to prove that people like us are incapable of keeping the law. He wrote to the Galatians in chapter 3 verse 19, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. Like if you study the law and you walk away feeling better about yourself and your righteousness, you didn't study close enough, right? I mean, it is designed to show you your sins. I mean, even if we just take God's top 10 list, the Ten Commandments. I mean, that part of the law that most everyone is familiar with, number one, have no other gods before me. Have you ever kind of pushed God to the side and pushed your agenda to the front? Have you ever given the affections of your heart more to someone or something other than God? Guilty. I have. Have you ever misused the name of the Lord? I have. Have you ever at any point in your life dishonored your father and mother? Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever coveted something someone else had? Have you ever lied or bent the truth? The law does, I mean, just out of the starting blocks, the Ten Commandments, we walk away devastated about our own sense of personal righteousness. And Paul says that's exactly what it is designed to do, Galatians chapter 3. And, what, and the consequence of that is it pushes people toward Jesus. The law pushes people away from a self-salvation project and to the sufficiency of the Jesus project. And the Galatians found out you won't be surprised by this, but a side effect of this emphasis on obedience to rules and law, a side effect of that is a joyless life. A bitterness, a resentment, a drudgery. God is a burden to you, right? I mean, he says in Galatians 4.15, guys, okay, I put that in there, but I think he kind of meant that. Guys, where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I remember when you gave your lives to Christ. I remember that bounce in your step. I remember those tears of joy, those smiles, those hugs when you, you got out of the baptistry. I remember that freshness, that newness when you came to Jesus. What happened to you? And they turned back to the law. They turned back to Old traditions, religious thinking got a hold of them. The gospel at some point stopped being enough. It started out up to Jesus, but then it was up to them. That's a scary place to be. 
That's a non-joyful place to be. And Paul could personally identify with the situation. He had his own dealings with the gospel plus crowd. He writes in chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, he said, even that question, by the way, this specific question was over the circumcision of one of Paul's associates, Titus. He said, even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones really, fakes, who were secretly brought in. Think of the scenario here. People secretly brought in They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to give in to them for even a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. Freedom in Christ. That's what we have. And Paul got a personal, real-life glimpse of what happens when grace and law collide, and it wasn't pretty. I think you could say this was a, a toxic, dysfunctional, unhealthy situation. You had these people sincere in their beliefs, sure, who believed in rule-based righteousness, and they got suspicious of these Gospel preachers like Paul who preach the sufficiency of Jesus, salvation by grace, and they launch a secret investigation of Paul. It appears that people were actually brought in to investigate Paul and these other preachers, and they were brought in, they spied on them. They were just so distrustful of this idea of justification by the blood of Jesus Surely there were other things that we needed to add to that. How dysfunctional and toxic that must have been in the culture of those local preacher, churches rather, where you had people spying on other people, like secretly reporting on other people, following their social media feed. Okay, maybe they didn't have social media feeds, but they were checking out their every word and they were making notes and they were reporting on it. How dysfunctional, how sick is that? So they spied on them, and the overall end game was to corral them, or you could say curtail their freedom in Christ. Um, But Paul wants to remind this group, hey, you remember, you were saved not by your own righteousness. You were saved by the righteousness of Jesus Galatians 2, 4, they sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and to force us to follow their Jewish regulations. Again, it's not like the false teachers had bad motives. It's just that they did not understand the gospel. They were unable to accept that the gospel is enough. By the way, I think this is interesting and helpful. As you think about this particular letter, Paul writing to the Galatians, um, Peter is involved in this as well. Peter actually struggled a little bit with sliding back into some of this law-based righteousness. At least he 
his thoughts and attitudes and actions were guided by a response to this powerful group of false teachers. Um, so Peter once visited Antioch, went great. Peter visits again, and this time Peter is seen by Paul shunning the Gentiles. You know, people who didn't have a Jewish background, who didn't follow all of the, all of the, follow all the Jewish rules and regulations. Peter kind of shunned them. Peter wouldn't eat with them. Oh, those guys are going out to Chili's? You know, I'm going with the Jewish group over to the chicken place, right? I mean, he shunned them, and Paul saw this happen, and Paul had to rebuke the apostle Peter. It's just another tragic consequence of a church that adds to the gospel. There's a climate of fear. And so Paul writes in chapter 2, verse 12, Peter himself, he drew back. From the Gentiles. He separated himself from them because he was afraid. He was fearing the circumcision party. We have freedom in Christ. I hope you know that. I hope you feel that. Know it up here. Feel it down here. Um, so there are some things that we need to do as we conclude this morning that we need to do to make sure that we don't fall back, that we don't lose our joy, that we don't lose the firm position that we have in Jesus Christ. One is like Paul to choose to be a freedom fighter. We call out any gospel plus that says salvation rests on more than what Jesus accomplished at Calvary. Um, so how did this apostle handle, Paul, handle those who were adding to the gospel in Galatia? Chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says, We did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. We didn't give an inch. Now there are things... You know this, I know this. There are things that we should compromise on. There are places where there needs to be some give and take. Just not when it comes to the gospel. Galatians 2.21, I, Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So the church of Christ cannot surrender the sufficiency of Christ. Because of Jesus' death, we are saved. It is by grace, not by anything we add. Next, let's talk about community. We talked about how toxic things were, dysfunctional things were in those churches with all the spying and the things going on. What do we do to build authentic community? We challenge each other without giving up on each other. So Paul saw the apostle Peter behaving in ways that were not worthy of the gospel in Antioch. But Paul, what did he do? He didn't write a report he didn't start posting things about, Paul, about Peter. He went to Peter and talked to Peter. He says, I rebuked him. And by the way, Paul deeply respected the apostle Peter. He tells us in chapter 2, verse 8, Peter to Paul, Peter is a pillar 
of the church. He totally respected, but Peter wasn't perfect. It didn't mean Peter wasn't saved. Didn't mean Peter had abandoned the gospel, but he had some things that he needed to grow in. And Paul shows us that the best course of action when there is an issue is to talk it out. How about this? Like Paul, how about you talk to someone instead of talking about someone? That one deserves an amen. How about we talk to someone instead of spying on someone, instead of reporting about someone? Go talk to your sister. Go talk to your brother. By the way, if Peter, a pillar of the church, didn't have it all together, maybe we need to take it a little easier on each other sometimes, right? Maybe even on ourselves we need to take it a little easier sometimes. If Peter, the one who Jesus called the rock, if, if Peter needed to grow, we're going to need some space and some grace among ourselves to grow as well. And here's the kicker. Knowing that my salvation is unhooked from my personal performance, unburdened from legal obedience, that doesn't inhibit growth. It accelerates it. It fuels it. So the third thing is this. I have been set free to inhabit a better righteousness, one found in Jesus Christ. Let me put it this way. Like if your understanding of grace makes you a worse disciple, you need to rethink that, okay? Like if, 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 if your gospel makes you less concerned with the word of God, that gospel is messed up, okay? As Paul writes in Galatians 2 verse 19, for through the law I died to the law. That, so here's the new me, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What a phrase. It is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see the gospel there? He loved me. He gave himself for me. He delivered me from sin and hopelessness. And now, this better righteousness, he lives in me. I'm part of the Jesus project. I'm no longer burdened by the Gordon project. <laughs> I belong to him now. So freedom in Christ, it doesn't mean now, ah, I make all my rules. Freedom in Christ doesn't mean now I get to do whatever I want. Freedom in Christ is recognizing you are a debtor to the cross. It means the old me has died. And now Jesus lives in me. A disciple makes the choice to be constrained by the word of the Lord, by the love of God, so that they may remain free. Wait a second. Constrained so that they may remain free? Think about this. Wouldn't a train 
be more free without the tracks? Wouldn't a car be more free if it didn't have that, that brake to hold it back? Like, you know the answer. A train's not going anywhere without those train tracks. Your car is probably not making out of your, out of your neighborhood without a brake. A disciple without the commands and instructions of Jesus isn't more free. They're living in bondage. We have freedom in Christ. And our freedom is not simply a freedom from something. It is a freedom for something. And I like how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 2.16. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. But living as servants of God. That's good teaching there. So today, will you put your faith in the gospel of Jesus? Nothing more, nothing less, believing that he and what he accomplished at Calvary is sufficient for your salvation, for your redemption. Will you trust that today? Paul talked to the Galatians about this moment that symbolizes that transfer from law to grace, baptism. Galatians chapter 3, 26, 27, he says that when you were baptized, you put on Christ. Do you want to wear this redemption? Do you want to put on this freedom, this hope, this new life where Jesus lives in you Confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Turn from the project of trying to save yourself and confess Jesus as Lord. Put him on in baptism. You could do that this morning. Maybe you need prayers today. Come down, pray with me, one of our shepherds. Feel free to pray with somebody there around you today. There's so much to be praying about these days. Good things, hard things. Let's pray about that as the family of God. If you want to know more about membership at this church, we would love to talk with you about that so that you can be part of the family here at Preston Crest. Right now, let's worship our glorious God together as we stand and sing. Lord, I come, I Bowing here, I find my rest, and without you, I find you're the one that has my heart. Lord, I And
Please be seated. We are excited for the Evangelism Conference coming to Preston Chris February 3rd through the 5th, 2023. You may have seen it in the Christian Chronicle this past week. Visit our church website and click on the Telling the Story that you see there on the screen on the home page where you can register for the conference, find the classes, speakers, and times, and learn more about the entire weekend. Child care and meals are provided with registration. Please review the many great speakers from around the nation in Preston Crest and share with others. Remember, this conference is not just for church leadership, but for all of us to become more confident in sharing our faith. It'll be a great weekend that you won't want to miss. Plan on being back tonight for 6 p.m. worship for great singing and insights as Gordon helps us in the Living Hope series share the hope within us and bring others to our family here at Preston Crest. Don't miss this time for spiritual growth and fellowship together. And if you are not already attending, try one of our Bible classes and go there right now. We have four new studies getting ready to start. So pick a class, meet some new friends, and enjoy the fellowship as you dive into the scriptures with one of our excellent teachers. Please stand and read with me our take-home verse. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the congregation says, Amen. Amen. Have a great day.